Firing a car up for the first time is always a big deal, but for most of us, it doesn't happen in the middle of the SEMA show. It's like nine o'clock Thursday night at SEMA. It's shooting flames out the side pipes. A crowd is just like swarmed us. Uh, I'm cursing, yelling just for joy. <laughs> just, you know, it. we did it. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. it just the, the sheer joy of we're saved. Welcome to What Moves You, a Speedway Motors podcast telling the stories behind the cars and the people who build and drive them. I'm Joe McCullough, and in this episode, Kyle Kuhnhausen joins us to talk about building cars and his business, Kuhnhausen Metal Concepts. He won the SEMA Young Guns Award with his Datsun 240Z project, and has since built some incredible cars, all with his signature passion for detail in every component. I always like to start with the question asking how you first fell in love with cars. It's, uh, you know, I didn't really ever have a choice, uh, from a super young age. I, there's, there's a, one thing comes to mind is there's a picture of me in a diaper as, you know, a very young baby. And my dad's holding me, you know, with his nineties haircut and his mustache over his, his Chevelle air cleaner. And I just, you know, I look back and I see that and I go, yeah, well, it was kind of meant to be cause that's how it's been since. But, you know, I was just always, uh, you know, followed my dad around the shop and that's kind of you know, that switched at one point. Now he kind of follows me around the shop here, but, uh, that's just kind of been life. It's been a good life too. You know, it, I can't, I'm super grateful every day for the, the opportunity to, to be involved in something that I'm really passionate about and, you know, something he's really passionate about. And, uh, it's just, it's made it super easy to, to just love cars and be around cars. And I, I can't imagine doing anything else. How did you get from, little kid in the diaper sitting on the air cleaner to, to learn how to fabricate and, and actually do the work of building the cars. It, uh, you know, it was a natural progression, obviously, like I said, I was always following him around and, you know, stealing or, or otherwise misplacing his tools on him. And, and eventually, you know, we'd work, I mean, he, he was great, uh, in always involving me in whatever he was doing too, or, you know, giving me a fool's errand to keep me busy. And that's only backfired a few times when I've, pulled the plug out of the hydraulic cherry picker once, um, you know, just, just a few missteps. But, uh, at some point I want to say it was middle school, like seventh, eighth grade. Uh, you know, I'd always seen him MIG weld stuff and I, I wanted to weld and, and he was busy, you know, he was always building, he, he runs a collision business, uh, his, his own business. Uh, and then, you know, he was always building hot rods. So he was either working on one of him and his business partners, race cars, uh, or, or at home, you know, building a, a car for a buddy or working on one of his, but, um, you know, he was busy and I wanted to learn how to weld and, and like two days or something I'd asked him and he was just, you know, was too busy. And now I totally get it. But as a kid, I'm like, you know, I want to weld. Uh, so I came home one day after school, uh, there was a, you know, a period if I wasn't in sports at the time, I'd have some time to, I'd always obviously come up to the shop, but I saw like a, there was like a spaceship movie at school or something. And I was all into rockets for a little bit. And so I came home, got the MIG welder fired up, seen him do it, you know, a thousand times, kind of knew where to put the knobs and went to town and built this little spaceship out of some scrap pieces. And I was real proud of it. And I hid it from him and. I think at one point it was found out that I was welding without him. And, you know, that's probably not the safest thing to have a kid just loose welding, you know. Um, and so then he kind of taught me and took the time. And, um, you know, that kind of segued into me helping him more, more thoroughly on the cars. And, you know, if, uh, if we needed to strip chrome on some rods or something, I, I, I just uh, vividly remember we, we were working on a 42, uh, Willie's Woody for a friend. And, you know, that was the first one where I really got involved and I was, um, you know, grinding down the exhaust, MIG welding some stuff on the exhaust. And, you know, it, the, the progression of hot rods over the last, you know, you got to think back, this is darn near 20 years ago. It's gotten, you know, to almost a stupid level of precision and you know, that wasn't always there. So, you know, you used to be able to use a MIG welder on exhaust and, and stuff, and that was fully acceptable. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was just, I was doing that and that kind of 
moved into, you know, getting your license and driving and having cars. Obviously, at, at 12, I got a wrecked Honda Prelude my dad bought that was totaled. Um, and we, we built it up together. Um, and so I always respected the car because I had to build it. And that's kind of how I spent all my time was working for him in summer, spring and winter breaks full time. Um, and then, Hey, you make money and then you can use the money to buy car parts. And so that kind of kept me out of trouble my whole life is, you know, I always wanted to work cause I always had goals of buying tools or car parts or building the business or, um, but anyways, uh, I, I kind of would start like in high school building two bumpers and roll cages and boat towers. And I, I had a, my dad had a hundred dollar Harbor freight pump bender, really crude. Um, and I had almost perfected, you know, as good as you can use that machine. I would, I would semi wet down some sand, pack the tubes, cap one end. Uh, slam it into the ground about a hundred times until it was as compact as it could get capped the other end. And then I would count my pumps on the thing uh, on a, like a floor layout. And that's how I'd bend stuff. And I did roll cages, two bumpers, tailgate, tire racks, a boat tower, uh, so actually a couple boat towers. Um, and you know, I had that process as good as you could do it. And I was just, you know, happy to be building stuff and, learned lots of ways to not do stuff, uh, learned some ways to do stuff. And I think that that time getting into fabricating really, you know, once you know, you know, like I knew that was what I like to do. Um, and then at some point, uh, you know, went to college, business school, um, found out mechanical engineering wasn't necessarily for me. So switched to business. Um, and then, I, I kind of went to SEMA one year. Was, I think it was 2015 was the first year I started going. And that really, that's, that's like a pinnacle moment when things changed for me. And I saw the quality and the processes and I just went, that's what I'm doing. Um, and that was kind of my pursuit from, from that point on was uh, just perfecting, not perfecting because that's basically impossible. And that's what keeps it fun is, is the, the knowing that you'll never actually reach a point where you're, you know, it all, or you can do it all the best. And, and so it's always a challenge and I need a challenge. Like I, I need to be chasing something. Um, and, and so with SEMA, like, you know, 2015, 16, 17, like I was always like, that was my goal. I was going to do it. There was no, there was no parachute. That was option A, B, C, D, and F. And so it was kind of a, you know, pretty, pretty level torque curve up, up the road of, uh, you know, fabricating. And, and nowadays it's still the same. It's, uh, you, like say, you can never really reach the top of that mountain. And so you can always get better. And that's kind of my pursuit is the knowledge and just always trying to do things just a little bit better, or a little bit cooler, or, you know, solve this problem with you just a little bit, you know, better than I could the day before. And, and that's kind of led me to, to really, go down some pretty serious rabbit holes. <laughs> well, and that that sort of aspiration to perfection, I think is, I mean, that drives a lot of people, you know, any, anybody who makes anything, you know, you're always, as soon as you're done with it, you know that you could have done it better and you want to build the next one to prove it to yourself. Yeah, it's, it's almost an immediate, it's before you even really finish the car, you could pretty much scrap it. And that's why I'm so thankful that I, I build cars for clients because, you know, they love it when it's done. But by the time it's done, like I put so much of myself into it and I've learned so much that I can never be really that happy with it. And that's kind of why, I, like, you know, after two or three outings or showings of one, I'm kind of ready to, you know, that one's seen its time. It's done. People have seen it. It's great. I need to get busy and, and do the next one and show people what, you know, where I progress to, uh, I just get so bored of it. I, it, I don't really do it for the cars per se. It's more for the craft. And then how did you get to the business side of it? How, how did you get from being a fabricator to running your own business, doing that kind of work? It's funny. Uh, I mean, you, you can put the best laid plans into action, but things usually just kind of happen. Uh, it's kind of been my experience. I like say I I went to college out of high school, uh, did a year in mechanical engineering, 
decided I'm, I'm more hands-on. Um, you know, I, I don't want to sit behind a computer my whole life. And went to business school, thought you had to go to business school and start a business. If I could go back, I'd probably have went to a trade school. Um, but you got to learn somehow. Uh, got my degree, graduated, went to work for my dad at his uh, collision shop as a collision tech, just till I, you know, figured out where I wanted to work or, you know. Uh, and then uh, a gentleman that was a friend of my dad's came to him with this Datsun 240Z and, and he wanted to have it refreshed. And he'd had the car since his days in college. And um, he had a younger son and younger daughter. And, you know, maybe maybe they wanted to bond, you know, with this car. Um, so my dad was at a point in his career where he's he's kind of done it. You know, he's built a successful business with his business partner. He's built all kinds of hot rods, had all kinds of race cars. Uh, he doesn't really need to work for other people. He, you know, he could work on his own projects uh, and, and enjoy just, you know, he'd finally got to a point where he didn't have to work on anything, but he's like, Hey, you know, my, my son's just graduated and he, he likes this stuff. He's, you know, wants to build cars and, and uh, you know, maybe he could do it for you and I'll just kind of, you know, check in and make sure stuff's going well. And so uh, we sat down, had a meeting. Uh, De Dennis uh, was the owner. He's just a super, you know, salt of the earth guy, just a great guy. Uh, and then, yeah, that was it. I was, I started a business to build that car because, um, you know, you can't have an income and not pay taxes on it. So I just right. made an LLC uh, real quick, like, and uh, even the name Kunauza Metal Concepts, it was, it was like a, I had to come up with a name that day. I, I, I always thought about, Hey, I'm going to make the perfect name. Uh, and then it's like, well, I need to put something <laughs> on this piece of paper today. What am I going to do? And so, you know, I've thought about changing it here and there, but it's just me. It's, it's all good. But, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how my business started story and it's still going. I started that unofficially kind of 2013. And then by, uh, I think January 1st, 2014, it was all paperwork, you know, uh, set in stone. And that's about 20, yeah, 2019, uh, two months out from SEMA is when I went full time. Um, and that's all I've been doing since is building hot rods here in my garage. So was the Z the first, the first one that you completed? That was the first full tip to tip to toe build where I'm in charge. I'm project manager builder. Um, you know, there's several cars before that. There's a 72 pickup, a Jeep Scrambler, uh, uh, you know, my dad's 70 Camaro, you know, I, but I hadn't done it in like a professional capacity all the way through um, to completion. So that was the first, you know, big one. And it went big. Well, so that takes us to SEMA 2018. Was that the debut of the car? That was the SEMA debut of the car. Okay. Um, I had finished it, like I like say, I'd been working on it since 2013, you know, outside of my day job, which was a full-time auto body, you know, collision tech flat rate. And so I'd work on that. I'd get home uh, about 5.30 and I'd work on that till minimum nine at night, if not, you know, usually more like 10, 11 every weeknight. Weekends were awesome because I could start at about, you know, 8 a.m. and work clear through to... 9, 10, 11. Um, and then that's kind of when I would catch up and, and I'd spend my lunch hour every day making phone calls, working parts, uh, trying to bring marketing things together. Uh, SEMA was always the goal. And I always knew I needed some pretty good partners if I was going to get there because I'm a nobody. Nobody knows who I am. I just know that I'm going to build this car and it's going to be on caliber for that because that's my mission in life. Um, and that's that's how that went down is is I was just working nonstop. There was a huge buildup. It could have been absolutely nothing. I could have got to the end of it. It would have been a sweet car, but it could have, you know, the SEMA thing was that was I put all the marbles on that. Um, but, but, but I guess to get back on track before that, I had been, you know, I had that car done a, a few months prior to SEMA and I'd been to the Pleasanton Good Guys. Um, that's where I got my SEMA golden ticket. Um, a gentleman by the name of Mike Robledo and Ira Gabriel, I met them there. They were at that time running the Battle of the Builders program. And it's actually a really funny story. Uh, I 
I, I found out like three days prior that I'm just thinking, racking my brain, how do I get to SEMA? How do I, I don't know anybody. I, I don't know the process. Uh, I, I, I just don't know. And then like three days prior to this event in Pleasanton, I see a thing and it says good guys or SEMA young guns, uh, at good guys, Pleasanton, uh, any builder 27 and under, you know, and I just went, okay. <laughs> hey dad, <laughs> Uh, what, whether you can or not, I got to go to Pleasanton. I need to get the car trailer. I need to load this car up. And, uh, luckily, him and my grandpa, Gary, uh, you know, made the trek down with me. But, you know, we, we hauled Bud out of work uh, Thursday at like 5, drove clear through, got to Pleasanton um, really late at night. I, I drove the whole way because I was just in, in tune, like, we're going to make this happen. I'm, it's, it's happening, whatever I got to do. Uh, Friday morning drive the car from the hotel to good guys drive around, you know, if the fairgrounds a bit, don't know what to do. See this big banner that says, see me young guns. I go, Hey, that's, that's where I gotta be. And uh, I was there first, you know, one of the first cars in there, I park it there and I'm just walking around and, and these two guys are like, you know, what's, what's that? Who's, you know, this isn't, who's this? And I went, Hey, I'm, I'm Kyle. I'm, I'm under 27. I'm here for the young guns. And, Little did I know you, I mean, you had to register and you had to, uh, you know, you couldn't just, I, I just saw 2700 and thought, Hey, I, that's where I got to be. Um, but anyways, you know, the car's sitting there and it's, a, you know, I'm pretty proud of it. It was a C McCaliber car. Uh, all the work was, you know, obviously looking back now I can do much better, but the work was pretty right on for a, you know, kid building a car. Uh, some of the others showed up and, you know, the build obviously stood out and, and I think those guys kind of went to bat for me to make sure, you know, like this kid kind of earned it. Let's, let's see to it that he makes it to SEMA. And, and so finally, you know, they gave me the golden ticket at that event. I think two weeks later I went down and, and, um, Aaron from radium engineering, one of the, my, my literal very first sponsor company that believed in me and was like, Hey, we like what you're doing. Can we give you some stuff? you know, to help your build. He pulled some strings to some people he knew at Hoonigan and he's like, you know, talked to this guy, got an invite, took the car down there. Um, thought that was like huge. Uh, you know, that was a pretty cool experience. Um, and that came out, you know, what I filmed with them came out like two or three weeks before SEMA. Uh, so it made some nice hype for me. Um, and then finally, you know, some of these cold emails I sent out start coming back in and, and, uh, the CCW wheels booth is like, Hey, we'll, we'll have you in our booth. And so I start calling the SEMA people who just finally got me this trip into SEMA. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I got a space in central hall, kitty corner to the roadster shops, big unveil. Uh, and, you know, I mean, how can you not be, how can you not take that? Like that's so many more eyes are going to see the car there. And, and, uh, and by the, you know, good graces, I got to do that. Uh, you know, so first SEMA with a vehicle, super prime placement. Um, and I didn't leave the side of that car all week. I, I sold that sucker to the moon. You know, I, not only am I super <laughs> enthusiastic about it and my dreams come through, I'm at SEMA. Uh, but the, the reception of the car was just phenomenal. And I wanted to take every opportunity I could and, and that's, you know, I, now I judge that program, the whole young guns program. But uh, if I could say one thing, it's, you, you gotta sell your car. I mean, you can't just show up and park it there. Like you better be tentative. And, and if your voice is still going by Wednesday, you know, the show, then you're not, you're not doing enough to, to help yourself out. So not only mm -hmm. is it fun and rewarding to like, that's the first, like the dopamine explosion is huge. Cause that's the first, like real reception you get for all your hard work. Um, but it was just really a magical thing. And, um, it, it was just life changing really. So what, what exactly happened then at SEMA? What, what, what did you come away with for after that deal? Uh, a really sore throat and my mind was blown, but <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, you couldn't, you couldn't plan it or write a better story like it. This kid builds a car for, you know, five years on hopes and dreams, actually gets to the show. And then 
at the show, things just went haywire. It blew up. Everybody wanted a little piece of this thing. And um, I think at the end of it, I won a, a Syracuse National Showstopper Award. Uh, that's where I met Dave Tucci, just super awesome dude. In fact, I'm wearing one of their shirts right now because it's my favorite. <laughs> um, and then uh, won a Gran Turismo Award as well, Best Asian Import, with a LS-powered car. I thought that was kind of neat. You, you got to really sell it and build something special if you're going to have an LS mm-hmm. and win an Import Award at SEMA. <laughs> um, and I think really what did that was just my constant presence around the car and, and just being truly enthusiastic about it. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, I was very humble. I didn't think my stuff was that good until, you know, all these people are telling me it is. And, you know, then you got to just kind of gently weight yourself back down to earth. Uh, And then, uh, you know, the big granddaddy of them all was the, the, I won the Young Guns program. So not only did I make it there, but I, I won it and I was very humbled by that and not, not to say that I didn't go there with full intentions to do so. That was, you know, that was the game plan from day one. But if I didn't win it, I was going to be just as happy. Uh, there was some, some pretty good competition there. There were some pretty serious, uh, builds. Um, and then, you know, that's, that puts you in top. That was the first year of battle of the builders where they separated it into the categories. So you had young gun, uh, imports trucks and hot rods uh so no matter what for the first time a 27 and under builder is going to get a top four spot and so that was me and i led the sema parade out to the thing i was the first car and you know the just the whole the whole week was just crazy i can hardly comprehend it now it was just you know way more than expected and and all it did was make me a lot hungrier to to come back and prove it the next year that it wasn't a fluke and, and I could do a lot more than just be in the, the young guns program. So that kind of launched the next phase of my career. <laughs> so what happened after that? Did your phone start melting? Somewhat. I mean, you, you get, you get a, a flurry of offers to do things from, you know, TV stuff to, you know, magazine stuff to people that want you to build a, a car for them and, and you kind of got to figure out how to weed through what's worth your time and what's not. Um, you know, I, I kind of made the determination that building is always going to be my focus. I don't want to be a TV personality type person. Um, it, not, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not like, it's not the challenge I need of solving these insolvable problems on cars. Like I need that. Uh, my brain's got to be active. Um, and then, you know, the, the magazines, I think, are what kind of blew me out of the water was, uh, you know, I got the cover of SEMA magazine. There's a big picture of me uh, standing in joy in front of the car when they announce, you know, Young Gun. Because I genuinely, I didn't, I didn't have any pre- preconceived notion that it was really going to be me. I, you know, is this reality? Um, so I was, you know, shocked and teared up a little bit when I, I vividly remember going and giving Mike Robledo a big old hug. Um, cause you know, he was just my dude. Uh, and it was just awesome. Um, it, it brings back so many good memories. Well, b- before we move on, so, so we're going to move on to then what, what came next for your business. But I have to ask, I remember the car at SEMA. I didn't know who you were. Mm-hmm. I was there. I think that was my first year going to SEMA and I was running around for Speedway Motors, taking pictures and trying to cover the event. And I'm not the kind of guy who's going to stop at a 240Z. It's just not my jam. But that thing just ate me up. I, I couldn't, I kept going back to it, you know, and it made our, then our, our blog coverage of the event. Mm-hmm. And I, I kept going back and looking at all the sneaky details and just the overall effect of the thing was, I mean, it was incredible. It was, I'd, I'd never seen one like it before. And I just went back and looked. The caption that I wrote under the picture in our blog was that we would just love to take this thing for a rip around the track. So I have to ask, what is it like to drive? <laughs> it's it's a it's a lot of fun. I you know it's a tough job being the guy that has to test drive these things. <laughs> so it, it's a it's just a little ripper, you know. It, it like you said, you, uh, I, I mean, I wasn't a two forty Z guy when I built it. I I was. It was just my canvas, so I I just built built the hell out of that thing. I, I every everything had detail, everything was touched, and 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 it's really important to keep the theme of a car 
and that theme on that car was everything to the nines. That was that was all it was. So um, it, it really just brought out a lot of like, I mean, it just refreshed some stuff. It made people enjoy, you know, builds like cars are cool and, and the general public, you know, likes the color of the paint and the, the overall look of the car. But people like me and, and the people that I really respected, the builder, people that I was looking for, you know, what their thoughts were on it. You know, everybody seemed to like that thing. And that just blew me out of the water because I've got all these people that I respect so much telling me I did good. And, and, uh, it just, it was, it was a knockout car. Some people might let winning SEMA young guns go to their head. Kyle saw it as an even bigger opportunity to prove himself against some of the best builders in the world. What happened next? You're home from SEMA with all the accolades. Where do you go from there? Uh, before I even went to SEMA, I already had my eyes on the next build and, you know, how am I, the, the goal was always to be self-employed. Um, it taken off as you get going, it's kind of hard. You, you got to build, this is a highly, highly dependent on your reputation is hot rod building. So you're only as good as your last car you built. And if you haven't built any cars, you know, you better, <laughs> you better be real, uh, honest and and have somebody like you and, and luckily I, I had a gentleman that um you know did both of those things so uh, i i had the ballistic beige corvette it wasn't that at that point it was the 64 uh you know beige corvette um and i'd already ordered a chassis and and sat down and made a build plan we're doing an lt4 you know this this is going to be my next you know i was aging out i knew the young guns thing was like last ditch effort. Cause I knew I was on the, the cusp of aging out and I knew that the unlimited categories, you got roadster shop, <laughs> rat rides by Troy, Cal Creek. I mean, yeah. the, yeah. the highlight list is crazy of, of people that enter that competition and good luck, you know, holding pace from 1200 square foot with, you know, pretty limited budgets. You're going to go broke real quick trying to mm -hmm. build that car that you want to. Um, so I was building this 64 Corvette for just a, a super awesome client. Um, honestly, probably my, one of my favorite people on earth, just the best dude. Um, and, and that was, that was next. Like I knew, I knew I needed to follow up fast. I, I couldn't just sit around right off the momentum of winning all this stuff. Um, it, you could really easily get caught up in, and thinking you're just the king and, and that's it. And, and, you know, you're, you're one and done at 27. That's not a really good career. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of hunkered down, worked, worked a ton of late nights, uh, had that Corvette, you know, fairly carved out. Um, I was still working full time at, at fix my dad's shop. Uh, and so I was doing the every weeknight thing and, the difference between the Z and uh, the beige Corvette is I had a, a steady girlfriend when I was building beige and uh, Z was my life for about five years there. Mm -hmm. um, so the late nights kind of were tougher, um, but I was still doing them and thank God she stuck around. Um, but at like two months out, I, I got the call. Mothers was going to have me in their booth. That's always the big thing is figuring out what booth you're going to be in. Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't matter how many things you've won. It seems it like, it's tough. There's so many good, mm -hmm. good builds and good builders out there vying for that space. Um, got the call and, and that's when things got real. I had about 80 days out to SEMA. I had a car that, uh, you know, it might've been in its first round of primer, but, uh, it, it was, I had about 80 days and it was about 160 days from, you know, <laughs> realistic completion. So, mm -hmm. Um, I didn't ever plan on it and I'm glad that it happened cause I probably would have never taken the leap of faith. But, uh, one day I showed up to work and my dad said, uh, you know, I think, I think it's time, <laughs> you know, I think you need to be done working here and go work for yourself and get this car done. And that's what I did. It was kind of a shock that day. And then the next day I was, uh, you know, mocking up and building headers here at 7am, um, and just hit it hard. Uh, by the time we got to SEMA, that's probably going to be my ultimate SEMA horror story is when we got there with that one. Cause it was, it was late nights. I don't think I slept a wink, like the three days leading up to actually trailering, going to SEMA. We had a car that was 
done-ish. It had never run. I could not get the thing to run. It should have fired right up. It just one of those issues, those little gremlins that it's, it's all right. Why isn't it working? Got to see it went, you know, finally came to peace with, hey, there's lots of cars at SEMA that don't run. It's That's just in the cards this year. Get to SEMA, unload the car at the mother's booth. First thing the, the guy that runs the booth says is, you know, this thing doesn't run. We don't have cars that don't run. Uh, and I said, it'll run. It, I promise it'll run. And, and, you know, just pulling, pulling a, a card out of the back pocket there. And, um, luckily, uh, you know, I had, I had befriended Dave Tucci and Dom the, the previous year, 2018, when I got that Syracuse national award and, and lo and behold, here come my boys walking around and I'm, you know, telling them the problem and they connect me with this, this guy, Alex, uh, Pites, Pites performance tunes, he comes and looks, uh, think, thankful for him for his time. Can't figure out why not. He calls the people uh, over at GM Performance. Uh, <laughs> it was Tim Duran and Kevin Sherwood. I still remember it because I still owe them a care package. I said I'd send it. Haven't been able to get them on the phone since. Haven't been able to find their address. I'll, mm-hmm. Someday I'm going to get them back for helping me. But um, they came by, spent countless hours. I mean, that's all I did at SEMA that year. I was by the car because I was working on the darn car. Um, you know, electrical gremlins are, are the worst kind, especially when there shouldn't be one. Right. Uh, get that thing. Just, I'm at, I'm at like, you know, ready to come to Jesus here, uh, Thursday. Uh, they can't figure out what's wrong with it. They've got insider information, mm-hmm. you know, schematics. The, the one guy, I think designed the, you know, or was a part of designing the wiring on the LT five. Like these are, (laughs) these are the creme de la creme of smart people and nobody can figure it out. And, uh, just on a whim, you know, it's nighttime. Uh, the mother's people had been letting us, they closed their booth down pretty tight at like five or six. Mm -hmm. Uh, they'd been letting us just work in there because this car needs to run and, and I'm kind of on the line and I feel like my whole reputation's on the line. Like these guys will never have me back. Nobody will ever have me in their booth if this car doesn't run out of here. Um, and so we just stayed on it the same as we always do. And, and thank God for my, my pops and my fiance was there too. So she's just sitting, you know, watching this all unfold. And, and, uh, it was just a, it was a plug. One of the, one of the, the GM harness plugs just, <laughs> had enough resistance, you know, it's plugged in, right. It's locked in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyways, a quick wiggle of, of, uh, faith. And, and my dad wasn't even going to do it. And I said, just crank it. Just see what the, you know, we got no other options. (laughs) Damn thing fired up. Uh, I mean, it's a straight piped LT four through titanium side pipes. And it's for, you know, first fire up is, you know, running rich. It's, it's shooting flames out the side pipes. Uh, it's like nine o'clock Thursday night at SEMA. A crowd is just like swarmed us. Um, I'm cursing, yelling just for joy. (laughs) Just, you know, it, we did it. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. It Just the, the sheer joy of, you know, we're not, we're saved, you know, we can get through the SEMA parade. So that car's first test miles were, the SEMA parade in Las Vegas Boulevard and it made it back to the hotel somehow. (laughs) It's a, you know, that's cutting it close. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, I, I vouched to never do that again because I'm pretty sure that I took about five years off my life in stress. (laughs) Um, and so now it's, it's like if the car is not, you know, I'm, I'm, I've done it. I did the young guns, backed it up with the hot rod, uh, that year it, it didn't, you know, I competed battle the builders, nothing happened. Cause you know, the, and rightfully so the car wasn't ready. Um, and, and I didn't, you know, I, I don't expect to win everything every time I go, that's just not realistic. Uh, so I came back to the shop and, and spent my time working on the details like I do. Um, and then COVID hit, uh, SEMA got canceled for 2020. Um, and, I, you know, they they did the the virtual Battle of the Builders thing, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was uh, two of my idols, Mike and Jim Ring, were the the judges. And mm-hmm. I just entered to be part of SEMA. You know, I I didn't I'd already taken the car. I didn't think you know 
anything would come of it. I just thought, hey, I'll, you know, I'll be involved. SEMA is a good organization. I like to support what they're doing. Uh, I get a call like, you know, a few weeks later, hey, you're, you know, you made top 12. And I, I, I remember it. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? You know, Mike and Jim Ring voted me in the top three hot rods. Mm-hmm. And the other two are that year's Riddler winner. And uh, Andy Leach from Cal uh, had that CUDA, you know, some mm-hmm. heavy hitters. So I, I was very humbled to be a part. And I, I don't even know how, you know, it, uh, it was, it was a hell of a Corvette build, but um, you know, we didn't, I, I bootstrapped the interior together with the, just cause the client didn't really want a wild, crazy, mm-hmm. you know, expensive interior. And, um, but the, just the, like you say, the, the stuff you saw in the Z, all that mechanical intricacies and detail and little, little touches that are personal and, and just everything done as best as I can possibly do it. Like that, that car had a lot of innovative, cool stuff on it. Um, the, the through the frame brake ducts, Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's just, there's so much to, to talk about. And, um, it, it was just, it was, a you know, it, it felt good to, to not be a one hit wonder on that. And, yeah, and, that, yeah. and it, every time it seems like it kind of, you go up and then you level out and then you go up and you level out. And then hopefully, you know, I've, I've got three more in the tank right now that mm-hmm. each and every one of them is, is made with the sole purpose of being, you know, the pinnacle of what I can do right now. And it gets a little better each time. So I've got a feeling that they'll be received pretty well when they're done and I release them into the world. So we'll just see what happens. The ballistic beige Corvette project had kind of a twist ending, right? (laughs) You can say that. Yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, what had happened was, uh, like I said, when I when I first met this guy, he was already one of my favorite guys out. Just a genuine, uh, pure good person. Uh, you know, it, just somebody that really appreciates all that hard work that goes into the cars. You know, it's one thing to say, "Wow, that's cool, thank you." It's another thing to genuinely understand like how much of myself and my life I put into the stuff I do. Um, but he, you know, we got it done. Got back from SEMA, spent several months getting every detail just perfected, um, and then gave it back to him, and he enjoyed it for a while. Uh, he, he uh, you know, his mobility was not the best, and, and we actually built that car, you know, the, the, the driver's footwell is an inch and a half lowered, four inches pushed through, so he didn't have to uh, bend his legs too much to get in. And, mm-hmm. and from what I understand, it, you know, he, he loved it. Uh, he just, it wasn't great for him to be driving these old hot rods anymore too much, you know? Um, and so he, he called my dad up and, uh, just made him an offer. He couldn't refuse to, to buy that sucker back and, and I'll be damned if he didn't do it. So now, now, uh, we kind of have a family heirloom of, of one of the hot rods that I built. Um, you know, obviously with my dad, I built it, um, and, it's just really special that way. Cause I didn't think we could ever have something like that. You know, it's, that's, yeah. that's quite a, you know, quite a financial commitment to build something like that. And then to, right. you know, to make a deal where we could actually afford to get something like that back is, you know, crazy. And so now it, it's, you know, it's in the garage. I can go look at it whenever I want. Uh, you know, it's like I said, I, I kind of get bored with them after a while, you know, I, I'm always on to the next one, but, Someday uh, I'll go back through that one and do a few of the things I would have done. Definitely needs a ma- mm-hmm. manual gearbox. Uh, might change the wheels a little bit. There's a few things, but you know, overall the identity of that car, I've got got nothing to complain about. I it was nice to do things unique that I wouldn't have done had the client not, um, you know, put their two cents in on a few things. You know, and it made it unique. You know, like the the color choice, the wheel choice. It wasn't a red, white, blue, or black Corvette on, you know, Halibrands or, mm-hmm. or uh, heaven forbid, the the 20-inch, whatever, Barrett-Jackson special stuff. Because um, it, it had its own identity, and so I, I really like that mm-hmm. about it. Does your dad still help you out in the shop? <laughs> oh, yeah. More and more, <laughs> more and more as I need him. Uh, he, he still runs his business. Uh, but he's here with me most weeknights and, and weekends and we're just jamming. 
Um, it's, it's way easier for us to just specialize a little bit. Um, he, he kind of handles, you know, body stuff and I handle the mechanicals and handle the, uh, fabrication and it's a really nice pairing. We can get a lot of stuff done together way more than we can get, you know, done separated. So I've always worked, worked really good with my dad. Like I, I could not work with another person on earth as well as me and my dad work together. So it's, you, you see the typical like hot rod shows where they're fighting and throwing chairs and stuff. And, and sure, <laughs> sure. There's some uh, exchanges here and there and, you know, some differences in opinion, but for the most part, I mean, it's, it's a special thing we have. It's, I don't think everybody gets to, gets to enjoy what we enjoy. That's cool. I'm jealous that you get to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's quite a talented guy too. You got to give pops and props. He's, he's, <laughs> if there's a uh, one person on earth that I'd call if I was in a big, situation like we were in SEMA, you know, I want to have him fighting by my side there because there's no problem too big. We'll figure it out. You, you've mentioned a couple uh, already. What other builders do you cite as influencing the cars that you build? We'd be here for two, <laughs> two weeks straight if I was to list them all off. But, you know, some Kind of, kind of back to those early SEMA days, you know, when I really got my eyes opened and, you know, before that it was, I like to look at like trophy truck forums and, and just see all that wild fabrication and mm -hmm. tube coping and exotic materials. And, uh, I read, uh, I read one article in Hot Rod magazine and I still have it. Uh, it's like falling to bits cause it was like the favorite magazine article I ever read. And it was like, 14 fabricators shaping the future or something. But it was just like the goal. It's like, that's where I want to be. Like, I want to, I want to, if they ever remake that, they, you know, I want to be a candidate. Uh, Cause I, that's what I strive for every day is just being to that level. Um, so obviously you got like roadster shops builds, uh, the Jeremy and Phil and the boys over there do some phenomenal innovative stuff you know they're always on the cutting edge and like the rampage camaros obviously that's my favorite build of all time that i haven't done um i was actually building a, a 70 camaro when that came out and it was wide bodied and it had a square 345 setup and uh, i shelved it because <laughs> you got to know when to hang it up and and you, go right. you know it's uh, maybe down the road in like two decades i'll have enough skill to to make what I want out of that to a level where, you know, it would even impress me after seeing rampage. That was like mm -hmm. a life changing build, but you got obviously Troy rad rides, Andy Cal Auto, um, the ring brothers, clearly it's, and what I like about them is, is, uh, you know, they're two nice humble guys, but you look at a car and you go, that's a ring brothers build, whether or not it's got the logo on it. They've always stuck to their guns on style uh, they've always kept their unique details, um, and, you know, and I think, and it's always done to the highest level. Like it, it's kind of like the brand name, like, you know, do you pick the brand name cereal or the, the one that mimics it? Like you go right for a ring brothers build and you know, you're going to get the real deal. So mm -hmm. I've, uh, you know, I, I cherish, uh, their example there. Um, and that's kind of one that I'd like to follow is, you know, stick, stick to my guns, do it my way. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's cool, great. And I hope it is. And, and I'm just going to build cars, you know, the Kyle Kuhnhausen way. And, and, uh, instead of, you know, I emulate a lot of people, but I try to do it my own way, you know, independently, uh, kind of like the ring brothers do. For pictures of Kyle's Dotson, the ballistic beige Corvette and more, check out the toolbox at speedwaymotors.com by clicking the toolbox link on the front page. New episodes of What Moves You come out every two weeks on Tuesdays. If you like what you hear, tell a friend to listen to What Moves You on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you were going to describe your style, kind of speaking of that, how, how would you describe it? Detailed. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an onion and you got to peel it back because... I, I put details everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's seen or not. And I do it because I love to, like, I, I, I don't build cars for the general public to consume. I build them for me to consume. And it's like, I want to see this really neat wiring and I want to see the plumbing, you know, consistent throughout every single thing is this type of, you know, a, a, 
uh, hydroflow, double O-ring, clamshell fitting, um, you know, all the, all the engine, I, I smooth all casting, you know, and it's all done by hand. It's, it just slick, clean, neat. Uh, you'll never find a big gaudy cover on anything I do. No engine, you know, I want, I love the systems of the car. That's like what drives me is like, how can we make the systems of this thing work better? And, and function is always like goal number one, aesthetics are second. Um, but you can have both if you really mm-hmm. try. Um, and so I like to, like, I, it's always a challenge, like to make it function really well, make it extremely serviceable. Cause I have to fix these things if they go wrong or I have, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, if a client calls, I don't want it to be, I want to be able to talk them through it if it's a simple thing. Right. Um, or, you know, at least when it goes to a shop to be fixed, if it, most of the people I build for are, are not local, uh, it can, you know, they're going to say, Hey, this is nice work that yeah, made that really easy. Like, Hey, the motor can drop out from the top or bottom. I didn't have to disassemble the whole nose of this car to work on it. Um, so I think, I think about how things are serviced a lot and how I put them together. Um, and I, you know, I think that adds cool details like the, the, the quick release latches on, you know, service electrical panels and things like that. And so that's kind of my style is just like, paying respect to the systems of the car um, while trying to keep a theme throughout of, of doing my absolute best. Like you're not going to find any plain Jane brackets. You're not going to find a lot of utilitarian stuff. Cause I take the time and God knows I love my speed holes. So <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, sometimes it's a, I, I joke. It's like, well, I haven't hit the flared hole quota on this one just yet. I better bump it up. Um, but that's just my style. It's, you know, a little bit of aviation inspiration, um, you know, just just trying to do things the best I can and not be lazy and uh, mm-hmm. and build cars that are. If you could take every single part off that car and set it on a coffee table, and it would be interesting. That's how you build a cool car. You know, it's the water pump on that LT4 vet that you see sitting by. I mean, it's a decast converted to you know clamshell hydroflow it's beautiful you could set it on a a coffee table but in the car you know you might see one square inch of the damn thing (laughs) but but it makes the car like that that's a pinnacle part for me and and so that's kind of i I guess i just look at things maybe differently than you know i want to build hot rods it's like i want to build a cool component like it's a component level thing so you do a really good job on social media promoting yourself. And, that, you know, that's something where a lot of builders just want to build cars. You know, they don't want to fool around with the, the you know, promotional social media aspect. Do you enjoy doing that part of it? If I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't do it as much. But as a small shop, that's the best marketing you can do because I can't afford the big, uh, you know, magazine ads and and so that's something where I can, um, you know, interact with the people that are into what I'm doing, share knowledge. I mean, it's where I get a lot of inspiration. So I like to try to give back what I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you never know who's watching. Like you know, I've, I've found clients based off of, you know, this post I made. And, and it's like every every time you make one, it's it's a business card, you know, so make sure you're proud of it. Make sure you you know, give it its due time and, and, you know, write out a caption that actually, you know, explains something. And, um, you know, the TikTok stuff is a little different. That's like the new, I, I started that cause I had a company I work with that wanted some content over there. And I thought, well, I'll give you mm-hmm. content. I, I don't know, you know, if it'll do any well. And it kind of did pretty well to, to get going. And, and now I'm starting to like it a little bit more and take it a little more seriously, but overall, like, the Instagram formats more for me where I can show pictures and, and it's fun mm-hmm. to share that. And, um, there's like several people on there that I like to follow and, and, uh, just see what they're up to because they do innovative things. And I hope people can feel that way about some of the stuff I do. And, um, you know, my, it's, sometimes it's overwhelming. Like, uh, I, you try to post every day and, you know, stay on the algorithm or, you know, keep it happy mm-hmm. so you can grow. I, I'm competitive, really competitive. So it's like, kind of like a game, like, well, everything needs to be growing all the time because, you know, the more 
mass of people and quality people, especially that you can forecast to the more companies that um, you look attractive to when you're, you're hurting for parts on a build and um, you know, you need to make it meet with some, some partnership <laughs> parts, mm-hmm. but uh, overall it's, it's, it's kind of fun and, and I kind of, it's good to take the time and reflect on what you're doing. And, uh, it's, it's really cool to see, like, I get lots of people go like, Hey, that was like, that was really cool. Thank you for sharing that. And it's, I see all of it. I, I'm really not the best about answering the DMS and stuff just cause I'm really busy. Like it's, unless it's like a really detailed, like, one I, every now and then I try to go back through them, but it's kind of overwhelms me sometimes too. So it's like I hope people understand that I'm not being rude. I'm just like I'm 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 here for business. I'm really just trying to keep the content flying for you, and and I do see it, and I appreciate everybody that that you know tries to reach out on that. And I I try to get back to people, but I'm I'm not the best at it. I'm I'm a one man show here. I got to wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. So if I'm on the phone, I'm not working. Do you want to talk about current projects that you're excited about? Ones that you can talk about anyway? Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, the lineup right now is the banana boat, which is a 55 Bel Air. I've kind of dubbed that like a, a modern nostalgia because it came to me. It was never supposed to go where it's going right now. Um, that's a common theme. Uh, and it, it's had some work done that stays that I would have probably not done, but it also like, it's an opportunity for me to step out of my comfort zone. And, uh, cause my, my personal pocket is like, uh, race car pro touring to a point. Um, I don't think any car should have a stereo in it, but, uh, <laughs> I, agree. I also don't think any car should be yellow, but the banana boat is. And that's why it, <laughs> it got the uh, silly name at first. Uh, it was that or the banana hammock. And so we took the PG route there, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, over time I, I get immersed in these things and then I fall in love with, the, uh, you know, odd cars. And I was never supposed to like this car, but as I got building up this big block, um, uh, you know, it's got the big, uh, 671 blower. It's got the dual, dual Holly, you know, four barrel throttle bodies. It's, it's EFI mm-hmm. and kind of retrofitting the, the old scoop, you know, and, and incorporating some nostalgia parts, the moon pedals, the, but doing it in a way like it, that's not where I'm from. So I don't really know that, that space very well. So I'm just doing my interpretation of it. And I think it ends up with like a unique end goal. It's, it's got the, the headers like a gasser may have, but you know, they're done in a way like, like I do my pro touring stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just cool. It's a cool opportunity to, to expand on, on, you know, my knowledge and what I think is cool. And I've, I've actually grown to really love it. That kind of segues me into the old triple 20 dart. (laughs) It, not, not my first candidate for a car to build, nor probably anybody's. Um, but I took it on as a challenge. Uh, you know, can we make this thing cool? Sure. We can make anything cool. All it takes is time and money. Um, and this one is, uh, I'm building that for my grandfather. Um, he's a client, but at the same time, like I, I've got one, one way I build things and it's not generally the economic way. It's the build it the best I can build it way. Um, so I've been, you know, that's kind of more like a pro bono (laughs) job. Uh, it's kind of like that Z, which I said I'd never do again. Um, but I just, I'm in love with, I'm, I, I see the end result and I know it, you know, people will absolutely go nuts over this thing when it's done, uh, almost as much as I'll go nuts over it when it's done. Cause I get to, when you, when you take the strings away and you let me just do what I do, you know, it's fun. It's, it's not work. It's, it's play. Yeah. And, and I'm just having fun with that car. So, you know, it's everything that I would do to a car is what you see there. And and the same with that in Xanadu Z is, is, uh, you know, there weren't any strings. I could just kind of, you know, if I have an idea, I'll share it. And, and generally the answer was, yeah, go explore that. And, um, so, you know, I, I developed the cantilever push rod suspension on the dart, uh, this, the, uh, bladed sway bar. I'm working on the, the 180 degree headers, the fully heat extracted crazy PWR radiator 
system. Mm-hmm. So it's it's basically a race car with a license plate. It's got a manual transmission, which is always good in my book. And uh, I'm just having a lot of fun with it. So I've, I've seen the end rendering. Um, it, it's really going to be something I'm proud of. And, and it ties back to that. My grandpa bought it brand new. He spec'd out the car with a 283 and a four speed from Dodge in 64 for my grandma. It's been in the family the whole time. It's been at the bottom of Flathead Lake once. I mean, it's how, how did I read that somewhere? You got to You got to dig in there. I got to know how the dart ended up in the lake. Uh, after my grandma was done with it, my dad's brother had the car for a bit. And as the story goes, they, they ran this, uh, his family ran, I think it's called Blue Bay Resort on Flathead Lake in Montana. He's from Montana, my dad originally. And uh, I guess he pulled the tire, you know, there's the boat ramp and the, the darts parked up here and it's inoperable or something and pulled the tire chalk and gravity did its thing. And, and <laughs> you know, and, it, and when the car came in, I could see where that had happened because the everything was just bashed in on there. Luckily, I, you know, at the firewall, just cut the whole front off that sucker. But mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, it's got a storied history and now I'm kind of adding my story and I take a little bit of pride in that last name and, and making things, you know, for the family. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's going to be nothing short of uh, exactly what I want it to be before it's done. Um, Whether that takes another few years or, you know, whether we can muster together, you know, some funding and get it done sooner, but it's, it's pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, that the ballistic beige kind of, that was my first Corvette, and I always thought, you know, somebody else is going to want me to build them a vet when they see this and they get it, because a lot of people didn't get it because it's not flashy at all. Like it's mm-hmm. it's saddle tan. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it's it's unassuming, but if you get close or if you see the chassis on that car, I mean, it's basically a race car. Um, and so luckily, I got the call, and and uh, a gentleman had called, I believe Art Morrison, um, who I I. Uh, was working close with us great friends with Craig over there, uh, you know, rest, mm-hmm. rest in peace. He was such a awesome, awesome guy. Uh, he, he sent the gentleman my way and, and he was serious because a few weeks later he showed up and, and we went for a ride in ballistic beige and had some coffee and, you know, discussed the process. And a few weeks later we had a signed contract and building a 66 vet. And it is everything that, everything you can imagine. I mean, it's, it's LT four. It's got a seven speed BMW dual clutch transmission. I think it's the first pairing of those two, which is absolutely a nightmare for me trying to find the <laughs> the right people to make all that electronical uh, stuff talk. Uh, yeah. But I believe I have some competent gentlemen lined up when we're ready. Um, and uh, you know, just dry sump, uh, crazy chassis work, you know, uh, working with send cut send. I've got this cross member that makes the oval undercar exhaust, like every single thing about this. I'm proud of, um, no corners cut. It's just going to be wild. Like the, the horizontal, it, it shares a lot of the, the key features of ballistic beige with the LT4, uh, get rid of the core support horizontal mount radiator so we can actually pack mm-hmm. in the right core size to actually cool that LT4. Uh, we've got a, um, you know, a heat exchanger that's the size of a, a darn radiator. Um, and that, you know, cooling is like the number one thing you got to do if you're going to drive them. And mm-hmm. I see lots of people try to fit a radiator in that, that tight little Corvette space. And when you throw a big blower on that thing and you go run it in the heat, tell you right now, those cars aren't going to drive well. So, you know, mm-hmm. if the expectation is, Hey, I'm going to drive this thing in, in, uh, you know, hot, hot weather where this guy's from cooling's a number one. So huge radiator, uh, on this one, we did a gigantic, the biggest, uh, small brushless fan made. It's like over 4,000 CFM or something. <laughs> um, I, I, I'd like to say it's actually close to like 45, but I hate to, you know, build that up too much. But anyways, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's wild. And, and the, the full undercar exhaust, I always wanted side pipes. Like I'm a side pipe guy. Um, but this, you know, luckily I have a client that, uh, has some good taste. He, you know, and he kind of like all these other builds, uh, you know, pushes me just to touch out of my comfort zone, but in a good way. Um, so no side pipes, more of like a gentleman's, it's kind of like, 
Ferrari-esque, like classic, like tasteful, don't go over the edge, you know, don't be flashy, but do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when this thing's done and, and sitting with the 15 inch Willwood brakes and the, we're going to do the forge line RS six, um, which is, you know, I hate to, that's the, the knockoff one. Oh right? yeah. Knockoff for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. gotta have tri bars. The car came with the turbines, so it's gotta have knockoffs. Mm-hmm. It's just part of the deal. But you know, that's, <laughs> I, I hate to follow the pack after doing the, the LS threes on beige, but, um, you know, that is the best wheel for these cars. So. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll have that on there again, the huge meaty front tires, uh, big back tires, lots of mechanical grip, full steering. Um, that's a nightmare to try to make work, but it's a good challenge. And, and I hate to, Mm -hmm. I hate to see those like two sixty fives up front. Cause what, what good is, uh, you know, a corner carving car with three forty fives or three twenty fives out back when the front's going to let out before those things are Mm -hmm. even close to capacity. So. Um, you know, weight balance is a huge thing in my builds. I like to shoot for like a 53% rear. Um, so the, the LT4 is actually four inches back from stock. It's lower. Um, ground clearance is still good. Um, mm-hmm. It's just just really sweating the details on that thing. And, and then, you know, it's it's got a, a pretty good budget so we can actually stretch the legs and explore a new territory. This will be my first one with a, a full leather custom super sweet interior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to have a stereo, which agree to disagree. I need a job. I can't say no on everything, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a really cool car and I'm, I'm really passionate about that end result. Um, looking forward to setting it next to ballistic beige and showing everybody what I've learned on beige that I could mm-hmm. transfer to this one. What beyond what's currently in the shop, what, what are your plans for the future for the business? 3d scanning <laughs> that's a that's kind of my mission right now i'm i'm thinking i've got a c5 z06 that just sits in the garage on forge lines it was my old daily driver autocross car and mm-hmm. i think i could free up a garage stall and and get into a, a nice scanner debt free and and uh that's the future you know it's you got to look at mm-hmm. where the industry is going and and as much as i appreciate and value old school craftsmanship you got to involve the new tech too. Um, you know, if you could do a full body scan, like, like for instance, the 66 grill, like I've remounted the bumpers, they're tucked, they're sectioned, they're beautiful. And then you look through and you see the old bumper mount bracket going through the grill and you go, it's not like it was made to be like this. We're going to have to fix that. So I'm going to have to either lay, you know, billet machining a huge grill is quite an undertaking. And I don't know if that's kind of, the taste I have in cars, you know, that's more mm-hmm. like chasing the Riddler. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, also I'll come up with like a laser cut solution that I can, you know, Cerakote and make look factory, but fit the opening better, get rid of the bumper mounts, keep that really cool 66 grill. Um, but if I had a scanner, you know, I could whip that out pretty nice, convert it over to CAD, you know, convert it into a send cut, send laser cut file, mm-hmm. get parts and then do my craftsmanship, welding it together and, and smoothing it out and, and uh, have something that looks super cool for, you know, a fraction of, I don't know, a six, 60 inch piece of billet. <laughs> so it's a, you know, it, it's trying to build high end hot rods, but do it in a way that's financially responsible. That's always the, mm-hmm. the hard thing to do. Do you see that being other kind of the future of shops like yours that are doing high end cars is really leaning in on the the tech like that as it becomes more available? Like, do you see that more shops doing that? Oh, it's I mean, it's I'm behind the curve on that. It's it's fully fledged uh, the way it's done at the big boys. So that's what I'm wanting to do mm-hmm. is is, uh, you know, stay on par with that. Um, it's really cool to you know, make a wide body kit, build a mold with foam and shape it and, and lay it up into molds and then pull apart. Um, but if you could 3d scan that thing, you, you know, you can mm-hmm. cut out a lot of the steps there and come up with cooler things. Cause you can see it in a lot of different ways. And, uh, I just feel like the, the possibilities with that are so endless. And I feel like it would be a great challenge for me being that I'm not a huge computer guy. Um, I picked up SolidWorks in 2019 Cause I, mm-hmm. I saw that as the, the next iteration and, and learned how to 3d print in house and, and CAD model. 
I'm not the best, but I can get made what I need to make and I learn every day. And I think kind of the next uh, progressive step in that line is, is scanning and then building parts to fit that. And, you know, the beauty is you can, you can do so many, like you, you can make so many things. Uh, for instance, on this dart, you can't find headlight bezels or taillight lenses or any of that stuff for them because they were not a popular car. Uh, you know, the reproduction market's not that great. Um, but I, I sent some parts off. We did body work, got the headlight bezels right where we want them, had them scanned by a gentleman at Reverse and Raceworks, sent me back the CAD data. I print it here, test it, and it's like, okay, now we can make a mold and make carbon fiber head bezel, you know, headlight bezels. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that didn't exist, and I can do that in my small shop with, you know, my my not as big a funding as, as the big boys and it's kind of like the great equalizer is being able to do that stuff. Um, and so if I can do that in-house and get full body scans, I just see that as being, I guess that's, you know, my ADHD brain think that's the coolest thing right now. So we're going to make that happen. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, you know, and then I'll be off to the next thing. Uh, five axis CNC machining is huge and, and not something that's available around me very readily. So, you know, if we'll maybe work really hard and get into something like that too and just keep building. Thanks to Kyle Kuhnhausen for joining us, and thanks to all of you for listening to What Moves You, a Speedway Motors podcast. To see photos of Kyle's projects and everything we referenced in today's episode, visit the toolbox at speedwaymotors.com. Email the podcast at podcast at speedwaymotors.com, and if you like what you heard, tell a friend where to find us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.